Humanistic presents Color Commentary, your podcast for your thoughts and analysis on current events, race, education, and the state of our society impacting popular culture and politics. Today's podcast features the humans behind the humanistic organization with Humanistic Secretary Mariana Jankowski, Treasurer and Director of Technology Christina Harris, Social Media Director Brandon Fickwit, and myself, Organization President and Director of Marketing Sean Moore. Also, we will be joined by a special guest commentator, Alex Calloway. Leading today's discussion will be our very own Humanistic Vice President, Hazana Underwood. Today, we talk about the Kyle Rittenhouse trial and its outcome. Some context for you. On August 25, 2020, during the unrest in Kenosha, Wisconsin, and after the police shooting of Jacob Blake, Kyle Rittenhouse, a 17-year-old from Antioch, Illinois, fatally shot two men and wounded another during three confrontations. Rittenhouse had armed himself with a semi-automatic AR-15 style rifle and said he was in Kenosha to protect the car dealership from being vandalized and to provide medical aid. Rittenhouse was pursued by a group that included Kenosha resident Joseph Rosenbaum, who was unarmed. Joshua Zemisky allegedly fired a shot into the air. Rittenhouse turned back towards Rosenbaum, who, according to a witness, lunged at him and tried to take his rifle. Rittenhouse fired four times at Rosenbaum, killing him. Rittenhouse then ran down the street while being followed by a crowd of around a dozen people. He tripped and fell to the ground after being hit in the head, then fired twice at an unidentified man who jump kicked him, his shots missing both times. While Rittenhouse was still on the ground, Silver Lake, Wisconsin resident Anthony Huber struck him in the shoulder with a skateboard and attempted to take his rifle. Rittenhouse fired at Huber once, fatally striking him in the chest. When West Ali's resident, Gage Grosskurtz, approached Rittenhouse while pointing a handgun at him with his right hand, Rittenhouse shot him once in the right arm. Rittenhouse was charged with two counts of homicide, one count of attempted homicide, two counts of reckless endangerment, one count of unlawful possession of a firearm, and one count of curfew violation. Rittenhouse trial took place between November 1st and 19th, 2021. Judge Bruce Schroeder dismissed the unlawful possession charge and the curfew violation charge during the trial. The jury acquitted Rittenhouse unanimously of all the remaining charges. Hazana, take it away. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I am, um, you know, I'm actually excited. I think that, um, excited, not the word, but excited to have this conversation. I think that um, this is a very, very difficult conversation to have. And I was, as I was laying in bed the other day, you know, I was angry, frustrated, pissed, irate, like all these array of emotions. And a big part of me couldn't even think about myself, but I thought about generations to come. You know, I thought about my children and I thought about how more aware we are with what is going on in the world and the impact that it would have on them. I thought about race because this is definitely something that ha is, is an impact to race. But then I also thought about like gun laws, gun laws that vary state to state. 
I thought about state laws. And I think that one of us brought up um, stand your ground, um, that uh, there's, there's over half of the state. So a big part of us um, as humanistic is being able to come together and have a conversation about um, things that are impacting us and trying to figure out a common ground or a way to reach conversation and to figure out how to find that balance and equalize our nation, um, equalize law um, and reach a state to where um, we can feel comfortable living. Um, I think that uh, over time we've had to compartmentalize a lot of things that happen and we are and have been stuck in a state of survival. Um, and I think I talked about that myself with uh, literally choosing to be and live in a state of ignorance um, because it, it impacts us in a way that um, we are forced um, to just deal with it and move on. So Alex, uh, just a little bit about yourself. Uh, can you tell our audience, you know, who you are and your perspective on the situation? We, we wanted to get someone in the younger demographics to get, to get their reaction to this to this case, can you give us a little bit about yourself? For our audience? My name is Alex Calloway, I'm a performing arts student in Hollywood, California. I created and helped a protest in 2020 with my friend Jordan Perret. It was in Mokotillo, it was called Stand for Mokotillo. And ever since then, I just love staying up for Black Lives. I was always a Black Lives Matter advocate with the movement. And now it's just a daily part of my life now helping people, explaining what I do, having conversations with people every single day. I get a message from at least a friend or a random person who I don't know. We just have a conversation. I'm a free spirit. I don't get upset about anything. You don't have to give me a reason to. We have a conversation, you and me, perfectly fine. I think about when I get older, would I want to bring a child into this situation? Do I want them to grow up to what I grew up in? I know my grandmother didn't expect what happened in 2020 to be happening in my time, when in her time, that's what's happening. Even when my mom growing up as a child. Today and age, we're more aware, like Hazana said, and we're more, I don't wanna say sensitive to the facts, but I will say aware still to what's going on in this whole entire country as a whole. We've come together, but then somehow we found that disconnection again with Kyle Rittenhouse. He is like the key component to what we need to get through that bridge to jump over to finally be together again. In the video I watched, Joseph Rosenbaum was unarmed, but he threw a plastic bag at what's his name, Kyle Rittenhouse and charged him. Then Kyle shot him four times. Then people went to go help him out get help, then Kyle was running down the street. Then the next person was, I believe, Anthony Huber. He went to try to stop Kyle. Everyone's saying, oh, he shot somebody, shot somebody. So Anthony tried to stop Kyle with the skateboard, hit, tried to hit him, and then Kyle shot him in the chest. And then next was Gage, who had a gun, trying to disarm Kyle too. Then he got shot in the arm, ran off, and then Kyle ran towards the police. People were explaining that he shot three people, two, one unarmed, one with the skateboard, one with the gun. 
police did nothing about it. And speaking of police in this situation, I remember in this one video I was watching with all those heavily armed men, they were explaining to the police how they need water. The police were saying, thank you for protecting these buildings. But one, they didn't have to protect this building. In the video, the chief of police was saying, of Kenosha was saying, oh, we didn't know this was happening. We weren't aware. He actually said, and I quote, on 1540, he said, y'all protecting this building? They replied, yes. They reply, thank you. Do y'all need water? They go, yes, we need water. In that same video, he explained to these people who were interviewing him saying, we had no idea this was happening. We don't agree with it. But in this quote, you said, thank you for protecting. So in obvious, you knew what's happening. Why isn't the truth going to come out to people? Okay. So what, how would you say, and this might be a, an obvious question, how watching this watching these verdicts watching what's going on in this country today particularly black lives matter particularly with the police particularly with protesting and open carry laws how do you feel as a person of color um in regards to all of this nauseous i can't even say i'm mad no more it's just more of a sickening feeling that this is really my reality that i'm living on every single day i just think when i wake up I'm like, we're on a floating rock in space and not a single one of us could come together as a human race. Yeah. And I think, I, and, that, and that's that's it right there, is that how do we come together? You know, how do we prevent this verdict from creating a further divide? Um, you know, growing up, like, we didn't have video we didn't have Facebook. We didn't have social media. So I didn't see a lot of this. So it didn't impact my physical well-being. It didn't impact my mental well-being. And now we have my children, you know, 16, 17, that are growing up and actually visibly seeing this. And, and one side of it is they're being told, oh, that's the law. That's the law. He had the right to stand his ground. He had the right to defend himself. And then the, on the other side, they're seeing situations like, you know, we had um, Centoya Brown, right? She was 16 years old. She was picked up by somebody at a gas station. Um, she used his weapon and killed him. And she literally rotted in prison for 15 years. She acted in self-defense in a stand-your-ground state. Same contrasting situation. Only difference is one is an indirect and one is a direct incident. But they're, they're both this, they're both self-defense. One was white and one was black is, is literally the variance. So we can't say, oh, that's the law, because we know that the law is not equal for everyone. But how do we get to a place where how, how do we balance that? And how don't we feel like, well, he should have went to jail anyway to kind of level out the playing field? You know, like, how do we, you know, you know, it. Well, well, building on to that, you know, you, you ask, how do we level the playing field? How do we change the law? How do we make it fair? Do you think that the people who have made these laws and enforce these laws see a problem? Because if you don't see a problem, you're not going to actively try to change anything. And I think that's part of our issue, having the people in power, the people who enforce these rules, actually acknowledging that there's an issue. You mentioned Satoya Brown. Yeah, um, people see her case differently. And 
we can all probably assume that race is involved in this, although it's never said. But this is a woman who felt like her life was threatened. She was an underage girl, and she killed a person who essentially tried to take advantage of her, tried to rape her. That was her, that was her argument. On the flip side, you had Kyle Rittenhouse, who came from a place outside of Kenosha, who is not a Kenosha resident, who came to quote unquote protect property and do his duty. Um, coming in, he's attacked essentially, and he shoots and he kills two people and injures another. Now, a lot of people look at him, hailing him as a hero because he defended himself. But you have to ask the question, why was he allowed to show up in the first place? Mm-hmm. Again, the people in power who do not see this as a problem is not going to change anything because there is nothing to change. How do you address that? I think that's the fundamental issue. That definitely is the fundamental issue. And I think that's where it comes to us. A, it's having these conversations, having these conversations, not with individuals that are like minded, that are in our same echo chambers, but having these hard conversations with individuals that are on the flip side, on the other side, that mm-hmm. truly feel like he's a hero. Let's have this conversation. Let's talk about it. Let's let's break this down. Like there was somebody I saw on a couple of my feeds that I reached out to and I was like, hey, I'd like to have a conversation with you because I'd like to understand like where they're coming from, because one side of it is just people feeling like they have the right to protect themselves, period. They look at it, it's Mm -hmm. that black and white. It's that, you know, you have a right to carry a gun. You have the right to use it if somebody attacks you in any way, literally in any way, which in my mind, I feel like if you're throwing fists, you should be throwing fists. If you're throwing a bag, you should be throwing a bag. If you're throwing a skateboard, you should be throwing a skateboard. Like there should be some- Wait, wait. So are you for stand your ground? I'm not. I'm not for. I'm, I, I believe personally that people who carry guns are cowards. That's my personal opinion. Okay. I'm speaking of individuals that are black and white in a sense of this isn't about race. This is solely about being able to stand your ground and mm-hmm. uh, defend yourself. Self-defense. They're saying that black and white. This is that was self-defense. Black and white, that has nothing to do with race. When you and I or others actually look deeper into that and look at other situations in which Centoya Brown was in self-defense, Trayvon Martin, he actually was self-defense, didn't have a weapon, and his the individual that attacked him kind of got off. We look at uh, Central Park Five crying, begging for their parents, You know, Kyle Rittenhouse is on the stand having a panic attack, crying with no tears, and and we're taking a break and we're feeding into that. Like, there's so many variables that we look at on a deeper level when there are other individuals that are just like, this is just a matter of staying your ground and self-defense. That is it. Okay. So we have stand your ground laws and I believe 22 states on the books. Uh, the argument is stand your ground can serve as a deterrent to crime. Stand your ground is a extension of your basic rights. Uh, it ties into Second Amendment laws. It ties into the right to defend yourself in your home and your person. Do you think this is legitimate thinking or do you think that this thinking is so far skewed and archaic that it needs to be taken off the books? I'm interested in hearing some of the other people on this podcast. We have 
for context, we have several different generations and several different people of different backgrounds and color. And I'm interested in your perspectives. So, um, so, so stand your ground. Um, from what I know, was started by uh, gun lobbyists, um, and they wanted it. Uh, one woman in particular wanted it because she felt that she wouldn't have the right to defend herself if someone was coming after her. And of course, she was white. And um, when she started Stand Your Ground in her state, Florida. She kind of made it possible for other states to pick it up very easily. She, she made the framework for it to become the law in many states, and they started picking it up. And of, of course, you see it helping white people more than anyone else. There's actually there's a, there's a case starting in Kenosha as well. I think the shots fired were on the same street where Kyle Rittenhouse had started firing and it's with a young black man. Um, this case is set to start, I think, uh, in December. He has five counts against him and um, he's sitting in jail right now on a $100,000 bond, which he can't make because he can't afford it. Um, and his trial was delayed because they didn't assign him a public defender. Couldn't find anybody. Meanwhile, Kyle had donors giving him money for his bail. He was free. He got his chance to a speedy trial. He was flashing white supremacy signs while he was out and free. And this other gentleman is sitting in jail without a paid attorney who people paid for because he's not a hero because he's black. So you do feel that these laws are completely biased along color lines. Definitely. <laughs> Definitely. And for the and for the audience, can you state your racial background, please? I am white. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I, I think I told you guys this before. I, I didn't see myself as white, um, Caucasian, um, until I had to start picking out what I was on a piece of paper. They, they used to allow you to put, I think, mixed race, and that's what I would always put because I have so much in my background. It was my husband who said, no, you're Caucasian, you're white. <laughs> <laughs> a, a reality check, I see. Okay. Yeah. Do, you, do you feel, as a white female, that these laws are written specifically to protect you and your kind, or do you feel like these laws are written to protect the country and the citizens of the country, but people have skewed it so much over the years that is no longer recognizable. They were written to protect white gun owners in my day. Okay. White gun owners, no, no one else, just the white gun owners, um, the people who support the NRA, um, most, most of them, you know, it's, they're very powerful people and they've been able to, change a lot of our laws because of their power and because of money 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 changes everything mm -hmm. and as long as white people white males in particular have money they have power okay but even challenging okay so we have stand your ground right 
one big piece we're missing is that he was underage. He was a minor. So does that even apply to him? A lot of people are saying, you know, he acted in self-defense. He's not even supposed to be carrying an assault rifle. Like, can we can we start there? And then the fact that the judge dismissed the, I guess, one charge that he would have been held accountable for, which was the unlawful carrying of a firearm. Dismissed it. How does that happen? He was 17. Well, do we want to get into the particulars of a biased court system and a biased trial where the judge you know, didn't allow the word victim to be used in the trial because he felt like it was misleading or disparaging? Should we talk about that? Or the fact that he got to pick his jurors, right? Well, are you guys really surprised by this or I honestly not? am. I, 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 okay. I know that the system is biased. Yes. But the degree, the visual, just blatant, it was blatantly, yes. <laughs> there, there, like, there is no, anybody who saw the trial, actually saw it, not just heard the verdict, but actually saw what took place, saw the privileges that he was given, that no criminal, right, has ever ever I, i've never seen anything like that well no I've criminal or or no person of his background no individual plenty, i don't okay, think cuz there are plenty of criminals who have been given there've been plenty of criminals who have been given perks we all know this well, not perks but actually being able to pick out your jury is that a thing am i am i just learning that i didn't know that was a thing i, I just sworn jury was random because people always talk about jury duty when they get in the mail I'm yeah. not very educated. From what I, from what I understand, that there there is, there is a there is a process by which they whittle the jury down, and the defense does have a number of like not get out of jail free cards, but like to, number of cards they can use to kick off people in that process right. if they feel like they're if they feel like they're biased. Yeah, um, his, his lawyers picked the jury, not him, but his yeah. lawyers are that good. Brandon, being the white male on the panel. What are your thoughts towards the Rittenhouse verdict, our stand your ground laws, and our judicial system in general? I know it's a broad question and topic to ask. Yeah. I'm curious as to your thoughts on this whole thing. Uh, the verdict, surprised but not surprised. Uh, disgusted. Uh, I went back and watched the watched all the accumulated footage from the event, and uh, it my my. My take on it was it was somebody who 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 went to Kenosha looking for trouble, uh, and and protecting properties rather than lives, and I and that that's that's immoral to me. My my personal stance there the the stand your ground laws. I, I do think you should have the ability to defend your home and and your family and and your, yourself. But as Anna was saying, it's you know meet it with equal measure. Somebody throwing a plastic bag plastic bag you throw a plastic bag back you don't you this was an unarmed person who just got the first the first individual the first victim was an unarmed person who just got out of a mental hospital the bag the bag was literally full of like toothpaste and and toiletry items and he's met with bullets from an assault rifle flashing white white supremacist white power signs like uh i i think there's enough there, there was enough to say that this person should should not have been carrying a a, a, a assault rifle. Uh, clearly underage. Uh, I, I would question his mental stability. 
some someone who who moments before, 15 minutes before the first shot, uh, was grandstanding, gloating about being ready to run into harm's way. It, it felt like he had he had his moment on the stage and he was capitalizing on it. Uh, he was running around, running around happy, like excited. That 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 was my take, at least on, on watching the videos that I saw uh, on the on the stand your ground bits. The even if the law is written in a way such that any race it should apply to any race, it, it's not being enforced in that way, and it's not it's not being fairly enforced in the judicial system. Uh, I think that's clear. Another one of the things that I, I noticed going back and listening to it, the lady that that got these laws pushed in the first place, she went she she pulled a gun on somebody, and I don't know if she she may may have fired on the person. I'm not sure. Um, in in self defense, supposedly, she wasn't even charged. But someone told her that she could have been charged, and she was mad that she could have been charged. So she pushed she pushed to have the the castle uh, bit extended to anywhere. Again, I have mixed feelings on that. In some cases, with with Centoya Brown, like that that that's a different situation. She's def- she's defending herself, and I think she had should have the right to defend herself. But it, it's it's messed up. It's not being applied right. It's it's, a, it's just a sad situation all around. But I I don't think, yeah, I don't think people should be showing up to those events with with military style weapons, looking for for problems. Uh, some some yeah, it's messed up. How does this situation not like legalize uh, underage carrying of weapon? How does it send it a message that as long as you can prove that you acted yep. in self-defense, you're free to carry? Yeah. Like yep. it's like basically somebody it's drinking or smoking on the corner and saying, well, my mom said I could do it. So like, what's the big deal? You know, like I'm. I'm we I feel like gun violence has increased tenfold within the last couple of years. Right. Underage shootings uh, within schools, movie theaters, churches, whatever have you like we need gun reform. Like there's no question about that on on every level in every state. So how do we get there? (laughs) Like, how do we how do we get there? Like they have money. So how do you get through the money? I guess you know, like what? What is well, it? Let, let me put this out to you guys, and Alex, I'm interested in hearing your your thoughts on this, coming from your perspective. Do you guys blame Kyle Rittenhouse for what happened in terms of the shootings, the killings, or do you think this is a failure of the police, particularly the Kenosha police, for allowing armed militiamen? to walk the streets to so-called defend property. I think both are responsible. Yep. You know, it's, I, I never thought I'd say this. No, I don't blame the police because that's their forte. That's their community. I feel like since that was their community, they were more expecting like, oh, we expect our community to stand up for to protect it. And then when they were seeing their community help out their own buildings? No, I'm not shocked at all that they were like, oh yeah, thank you. They were even asking if they need water, so I'm not really shocked. They can say it on TV, Snapchat, Instagram, tweet about it, talking about we didn't know what was going on. They were more happy that other people were doing their job to help protect them instead of them because that puts the blame on them because cops already have a bad name. So if they said mm-hmm. the community did it, it would be their fault. 
In reality, it's also their fault for not stepping in, but more of the blame be towards the community and how these white men stood up with these guns because they only have short amount of guns. That's an interesting perspective. Let me flip it. If, say, those armed militia men were all black, do you think the police would have gotten more involved? They would have shot them on sight. It would have been a whole genocide. Yes. And to take that one step further, like, this is Kyle. Like, if you watch the video, I think it was, was it the New York Times that put a video out? If you look at a lot of the guys, like, I, I want to say that they were peaceful to some respect, right? They were not trying to incite violence. They literally were just trying to protect the buildings. But it was almost as if Kyle was looking for trouble. Like he left the group that he was with. He went kind of did his own thing. I did hear gunshot. Like if you watch the video footage, you you see the bag, but you do hear gunshots before his gunshot. Okay. But then you're running with a gun. So evidently you do not have enough. What is it? What would we call it? Gun etiquette? Yeah. To not know, to not run with a gun. Yeah. You know, like there's right. Yeah, this 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 is Kyle and he was not held accountable. So basically what you're saying and what you're teaching other people that look like him is it's OK. Right. Well, and that's that's what they do with gun owners. It's a slap on the wrist. It's a child walking around with a glass full of milk. They spilled on the carpet. No, you you didn't mean to shoot that person and kill them. They're they're treating their guns like they're like a glass of milk. I was reading, I think it was a couple of years ago or a year ago, um, two different things that happened um, very close to each other. One was a father who took his son out hunting. His son, I think he was about eleven, knelt down behind his dad to load his gun, and his rifle went off and shot himself in the chest child that was an accident dad wasn't charged even though dad was the one who put the gun in his son's hand and in the same time frame uh, I think it was in Texas a guy went to his nephew's first year birthday party he had a pistol in his jacket pocket he threw his jacket over the chair and went in to talk to the rest of the adults And the one-year-old crawled up to the jacket, grabbed the pistol, and shot himself in the chest. He wasn't charged with anything because that was an accident. The gun owners are being treated like they don't own things that can kill people. And they're being treated like they don't have to watch (laughs) these deadly weapons they own. And it's ridiculous. That, that they can do that. There, there are a lot of cases like this. In Portland, Oregon, there was a guy cleaning his gun. Gun went off. He shot through the window and shot his stepdaughter in the, in the head. Killed her. It was an accident. You know, it's, <laughs> it's ridiculous that these people get to carry firearms and kill people and they have no consequences at all. What would be your proposed solution? Because now it sounds like a challenge to your Second Amendment rights. As far as carrying weapons, well, accidents the, do happen. The Second Amendment was written back when we had a true threat, right? The queen and the monarchy were going to come and they were going to take our our land that we took from other people in the first place. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and we had a right to defend our land that we took. That's why the Second Amendment was written. It wasn't written for 
people to to carry all these guns and and just walk around like they can do whatever they want. That's not why it was written. Also, the technology is vastly different back then. You had a musket that took you five to ten minutes to load every time you got a shot off. So the chances of accidentally shooting someone or shooting yourself were very low because it literally took you 10 to 20 minutes to load one bullet. Right. It wasn't a semi-automatic, which, by the way, and, is never necessary. Never necessary for a person other than law enforcement to have something like that. Oh, yeah. The Army. Oh, yeah. There's, yeah. Yeah. There is no reason to have an automatic weapon, a semi-automatic weapon. They're yeah, only designed to kill people, as many right. people as you can. What are you, you going to hunt with a semi, really? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. I mean, how aggressive are those deer anyway? Seriously. Exactly. Yeah. To backtrack a bit, I want to eat it after that. Right. <laughs> to backtrack a bit and the talk about Kyle Rittenhouse and the word self defense. My biggest thing about that, when we say, when people say he was self defending himself, I just think about what defense was needed in that situation when he put himself in that situation purposely. Because if I was defending myself, now let's just say this. Say I'm Kyle, and I really saw a threat to the first guy. He threw a paper bag at me, but then he was charging me. I really saw a threat at that. I shot him multiple times. He's dead on the ground. Calls a friend. He's staying there. People are held, and he runs away. And then I run again, and I see someone else with a skateboard trying to knock me down. I shoot him in the chest. Next person points a gun at me. I shoot them in the arm. Now, if I was Kyle and I felt like I was truly doing self-defense, I wouldn't hold up a number three showing how many people I kill goading and boasting about it in the streets. And there's many pictures showing it or even holding a white supremacy hand up either. If I was truly self-defending, I get I'll get my ass out there as soon as possible because I feel like okay, I put myself at risk. This is not cool no more. I gotta go. That's self-defense. Mm-hmm. I get this whole stand your ground situation, but you're telling me three times you shot three people and you're not gonna think to the point, oh, I should get my happy ass out this situation and go back to wherever I came from, my own mm-hmm. house. You know what I mean? I just don't yeah. see the self-defense in the situation to an extent. But that's, yeah. that's, I was going to say, there's another correlation to the first person who put out the post on Facebook calling for Patriots. Are you guys familiar with the Turner Diaries? Turner no, Diaries. It's a, it's a book that was written by William Pierce. Um, and it is the white supremacist uh, Bible, basically, is what it's been tagged. And in that book, the people who are asked to bear arms and to come up against the government who they feel has become, who has became um, too colorful and too liberal. The government now wants to take away your guns. And he calls his people, the militia people, patriots in the book. I want my patriots to come and fight with me. And anyone who reads into white supremacy, that's the number one book on their reading list. In fact, they've tied, I think, uh, over 40 terrorist attacks, domestic terrorist attacks to that book, where people have done the things in that book. The insurrection on January 6th is in that book. (laughs) 
Um, the wow. Oklahoma City bombing is in the book. The the guy took the bomb, everything that he did in the book, he made it to a T, and he even took down a face of the building, which is what was the goal in the book as well. Wow. Yeah. So when I when I saw that he had a post calling patriots, he might not. This gentleman might not have known who he was calling, but anyone in that circle knew when the word patriot is used they want us they want want power there that's good to know and just further cements look look at kyle rittenhouse he is a radicalized kid who is following all these adults because he wanted to make a name of himself which is why he left illinois to come to a place he's not even from so he can score a couple of kills to prove that he's a patriot. He's a child. Mm-hmm. And child children are easily manipulated that way. He got off all his charges because, in part because there are a lot of people who felt like he was doing his duty as a quote-unquote hero. To me, the tragedy is not the fact that this 17-year-old kid murdered people. That's not... That's tragic, but that's not what gets me. What gets me are the adults in the room, the adults in power who celebrate this reckless behavior. You have people like Donald Trump and Ted Cruz praising this kid, saying that he's a hero. They're adults. They should know better. This is the problem we have in this country. You know, we're a gun crazed society because we are defending our Second Amendment rights, as ridiculous as that is, and we're going around shooting people because we are scared. And unfortunately, that hurts more people of color than it does people than it does white people, mm-hmm. because you have a lot of people, white people who are afraid of people of color. And now they have the justified legal excuse to act out in that fear. And this has been going on for centuries. This is nothing new. It's dressed up in a different color. It's dressed up in a different suit. But at least the difference is, back in, say, the 17th and 18th centuries, it was seen as, oh, you have to control a certain segment of the population from running rampant. Now it's disguised as, oh, there's a tendency for that type of people to do to behave badly, particularly when it comes to verdicts they don't like. There are people peacefully protesting in Kenosha. And other people saw that as a threat because they felt that, oh, we're gonna bur- they're gonna burn down our city. So we need to defend ourselves. This is what's upsetting to me. Kyle Rittenhouse is simply a product of generations of racism and gun violence. I can see why he got off. He was a kid reacting. He was a kid reacting. Not that I'm condoning his actions, but he's a child. It's the people who allowed this child to be who he was, what he did. Those are the people that anger me. Not him. He's a kid. Right. Even his mother. Who drove him across state lines? Mm-hmm. Like, why isn't she being held accountable? Yes. You willingly, it's like me handing alcohol to my daughter 
and saying, go ahead and drink it. And then she ends up in the emergency department. You don't think they're going to call CPS on me? They're going to call CPS on me. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? As, so why, as they should. Right. So why is, why are we, forget the whys. We know the whys. Well, know the whys. How do we, how, how do we get to a place where we feel comfortable living in the world that we live in? How do we, like, even you, Mariana, like, you know, you've never grown up white. I'm sure that people look at you and like, I wouldn't look at you and say that you're white. I would look at you and I, I would think that you have some ethnic background of some sort, you know? So I'm sure somewhere along the along your lifespan, you've been treated differently just pe by people assuming that you're something different than me. You're not blonde hair and blue eyed. You know what I'm saying? No, so right. like, how do we feel comfortable just living? And how do we feel comfortable raising children in a society that there is blatant biases and racism embedded in the very laws that are set to protect us. What How do we get me, there? What gives me hope is that I feel like every generation of parents is more open and understanding of what's going on than the previous. Like when I think about my parents, I think they might've gotten a little angry about racism probably didn't cause a ruckus about it, but maybe they got a little angry. I think about their parents. I know they sure as shit didn't get angry. <laughs> now I can see that. We, my husband and I are getting very angry. And so I know that my kids, and I hope that my kids will become more angry than us. And that it's gonna continue until we finally wake up the right people. The problem is that right now, the people who are the most loud are the ones on the other side, right? And they're the ones everybody's listening to. They're loud, they have guns. <laughs> they think they're true American patriots. True. Um, and and we, don't, we don't have those numbers because what happens is that we get so upset, we get so depressed that we stop fighting because we don't want to be in it anymore. We don't want to feel it anymore. And we get angry seeing that they are feeling nothing. Right. That damages to property are more important than human life lost. Even right. in this other case with Tyrese Sherrod, I looked up the name, the 20 year old who's, who's waiting for his uh, case. They have one of the counts damaged to property. Is, is one of his five counts. He didn't kill anybody, but damage to property was on there. So you want to know what? He's probably going to be found guilty because God forbid he shot a car. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you don't you mean the judge isn't going to dismiss that charge? <laughs> probably not. <laughs> and you know what? You talk about anger, you know, <clears throat> and that is a very strong emotion that we are dealing with. And I, I'm trying to not be angry, right? Because I feel like anger doesn't really get us to our next step. And anger kind of forces you to do things that you regret later, right? Because we're trying to evoke change. We want to be impactful. We want to make a difference. We want to show others that, yes, you can be angry, right? You can be mad. You can be pissed. But don't react off of that emotion, right? We want to 
I guess, reach a point to where we can say, I'm angry, but I want I want a better tomorrow for my generations to come. You know, I agree with that. Yeah, I agree with that. You know what? Um, yes. Don't allow anger to call out your judgment. But anger, in my personal opinion, can be a very useful tool if used correctly. Mm-hmm. Get angry. Get pissed off. But be smart about it. Use that anger to feel your passion to try to make positive changes. Don't use Correct. it to wantonly destroy. Yes. I Correct. say I'm, I'm angry a lot. I'm angry a lot. But I try daily not to let that anger clout my judgment and use it impactfully in a positive way. Right. Yeah. Alex, l- let me ask you this. Uh, you yeah. consider yourself, are you, forgive me for not knowing, are you a millennial? Do you consider yourself Gen Z? What do you consider yourself? I always get this question. I, I always have to look up the term. I'm technically a millennial. But people see me as Gen Z. <laughs> okay, so I'm you're a very, you're a young millennial. Okay, yes. you're like you're on the cusp. Yes, I'm on the you're, cusp. I'm rare. Okay, yeah. Okay, so let me ask you this: as a cusper millennial, borderline Gen Z, from what you've studied and seen, and you've actually gone out and you've done the work, and again, thank you for your active service. You've gone out, you've done the protests, you've done, you led the crusades. Do you see any of this getting better in your lifetime? Never mind about us, because we're going to die out. Yeah, the Gen Xers, the boomers, we're dying out. Do you see change in your lifetime, positive change? In in all honesty, I always think about this. I see another situation like 2020 happening again when I get older. Because I feel like now that we're really speaking up, there's going to be something else that's going to switch because even in my generation, we still have people who are 20 or younger having the same mindset as their parents. And some of those kids are worse than their parents because we're more out there. We do more stuff. We have technology. I am the holder of technology since it was my generation we grew up on. So I know how to weave through a phone a lot, go through social media. And I've noticed that, for example, I have a family friend. And we're on different sides of, I would say, political aspects. And I don't care about your political views. I care about you as the person. So on their phone, it's more about, you know, Trump. They see the other side of Breonna Taylor, George Floyd, like their past, what this is happening. While on my side, it's seeing that this is a Black person being shot for their skin color, wrongfully accused for situations. Even in death, they're still wrong. So somehow we always talk about social media, how they always say social media doesn't show you the real stuff. Well, social media doesn't show you what we see either because somehow we don't see what you see. I only see what I see. And then we both combine our phones together. It's like playing a puzzle together and Mm -hmm. finally combining the pieces. I feel like once we realize that we all have different views on our phones, Mm -hmm. this wouldn't happen no more because someone's saying, this is the right situation, but are you really looking up the trauma and the study behind it? Because mm-hmm. you're not seeing what I'm seeing. I can see what you see just going by on one site, but if you don't look on my side either, we'll never get anywhere. The and algorithms that are providing that are not moral. Exactly. Mm-hmm. They have no concept of morality. They're just going to feed you what you have liked in the past and what you'd like to see, and you, 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 you go into a, a filter bubble. 
Yeah. And get radicalized. Do you think social media is part of the problem? Uh, yes. Yes, I think I think I think greed. I think it's been it's been exploited in, in the form of advertisements for political purposes. And in the and, and in that that space, I feel like there is a what gets attention is salacious things, exciting things. Uh, and I, I think that has been used to get people's attention. But it's also when fed to an algorithm that exponentiates it, it turns in it, it, it ends up radicalizing people. And that's where I guess. So going off of that, that's what I do believe is the very first step moving away from protecting our brand, right? Our brand is our own perspective, our own point of view, our own thought processes, moving out of our own echo chambers, actually looking for factual information, not what we're being fed in algorithms on social media platforms or being told by our peers, but actually taking initiative to research what what it is that is going on and being empathic about it and saying, is this okay? And if it is not okay, and if you or a family member were in that situation, what can I do as a person within my family, within my peer groups, within my workplace to create change? What can you do? What can we do? Anyone else want to comment on that? So go around the room. The only, I feel like the only thing we can do at this point is still speak up because I've noticed, you know, I'm all over social media. I like to see what people think about what they're going to voice during the whole entire verdict, even the trial and afterwards. People are saying, are you not surprised? Of course, when this is going to happen. I feel like, in all honesty, we all knew it was going to happen, but do we want it to happen? No. We're getting numb again. And I feel like that's what they want us to think. And that's how social media wants us to feel. They want us to feel numb again to the point where it's like, you know this is going to happen. Get over it. And every time they keep pushing that algorithm on us, and if we have one more outburst, we have to really make sure we keep pushing. No, I'm not going to feel numb no more. I want this to stop. Because if we're all like, are you surprised at this point? It's just going to happen over and over again. Just going to repeat history. And we're going to have this over 100 times most likely. Mm -hmm. We have to stop feeling numb, actually keep speaking up and keep pushing that algorithm away to create something new. Because social media does play devil's advocate very heavily because we see so much trauma from black people. We see people get shot, attacked by police or other people see police helping other people. Social media likes to divide us so much. Like I said, we have to combine these pieces somehow to the point where it gets like, okay, we're a community again. We know this is happening. Whatever is disconnecting us by one little, let's say one little cat video on the piano is really disconnecting everybody. That's what you're going to see for the rest of your life. And I'm going to see something else. Brandon, Mariana, any thoughts? Yeah, I agree. I think when it, the, the, the outcome of what the algorithms are doing, whether they're, whether they're, that's the intended purpose or not, it, you, they're in, in the in the IT field, you have what they call it the paperclip problem, and you tell a computer to make paperclips, and all of a sudden the whole earth is turned into resources to make paperclips. People, everything. You told it to do something, and it went and did it. It had unintended consequences, but I think until we, as a whole, can realize that that's what's behind this stuff, 
there, there are there there are definitely I think greed is a greed is a factor behind it. But the unintended consequences are you know it radicalizes it and it gets us addicted, and and folks start getting you their dopamine hit from from seeing something that's you know they they're, they're it, it, it folks almost looking for an argument. Oh, Kyle Rittenhouse. It's, you know, you, you, you say that you say that in a, in a, in a bar or something, you're, you're going to have immediately folks are like, oh, this is something this is something to get pissed off about, you know, and I'm, I'm going to take the opposite side just to take the opposite side. The addiction to that and the craving for that, I think, is something that we need to step back and, and, and figure out, you know, stop, stop looking for violence and stop looking for trouble. Or, or I, I think that's part, that's, that's part of the problem. Uh, harnessing these things. I don't know how to do it, but harnessing them, I think. And, and trying to have more inputs uh, of all the different folks that are represented into these algorithms. I think that's a huge part of it, but th we can't expect them to have morality automatically. That's something that we have to bring to it. And I think any, anything that comes into you in front of your phone or your computer, you have to question, where did it come from and, and why is it there? And Am I getting angry about this? Why am I getting angry about this? Would I be angry about this if I'm sitting in the room with with someone else? I think te technology is cool. I love it. I make I make my I make my living off of it. But at the same time, it's we, we need to put it back in its place and value the other person in real life over the fantasies that these things are creating and and, and radicalizing folks. I think it is a problem that needs that needs to be fixed and, and probably regulated more more heavily than it has been and accountability needs to be taken for just like just like the gun owners and in some states or you if you don't lock your gun up you should be held accountable for it I, I believe that um, I think the algorithms there should be accountability for those too and what they do and how they affect people yeah. and the users too also need to see when they're being triggered and see when they're feeling depressed or anxious because of what they're viewing and unplug themselves, mm -hmm. um, which is really hard to do when you're depressed. You almost crave more depression. You, you go on there looking for it. I did it myself. I, I got really depressed during the pandemic and, and everything that had happened in the past two years. And I found myself going on there making myself more depressed. I wanted it. I wanted to feel it. So I unplugged. <laughs> I said, my family is more important than, than me caring about all these people who don't care about me whatsoever. Yep. And then the other important thing is to constantly be educating yourself. Constantly feed your brain. Question where things are coming from that you're seeing and look into it. Read, read some articles. Read up on history. The best way to be complacent in all of it is to not learn anything from it. Hazana, any closing remarks? Yes, um, but I, I guess in closing, it's you know, this here, what we're doing is healthy. Having these conversations, as hard as they may be. And with the goal of trying to find resolution, right? When we're seeing something, dealing with something, when something happens, to be resolution focused versus just being dismissive or being numb, I believe is the only way that we are going to 
have a different or better tomorrow. It's easy to not talk about it. It's easy to not have a conversation. It's easy to be dismissive of individuals that don't agree with us or don't see eye to eye. It's hard to talk about it. It's hard to choose not to be angry at something that's pushed into our face on social media. But I encourage everybody that's listening to this to move one step further past what your initial emotion is and dig just a little deeper and think about what you can do to make this situation or that situation that you're dealing with better. Well said, well said. I want to thank all of our people, our humans at Humanistic today. Alex, thank you for joining us. Your insights and words are very valuable. And for the rest of y'all, have a good day. Thank you. And that wraps up this session of Color Commentary. If you're interested in learning more, please visit and explore us at our site at humanistic.org. Give us a like on social media and or send us a message on our platforms. Thank you for joining us today and taking the time to listen. Take care. God bless.